Hello and welcome to the first episode of Copcast. I am Alistair English and that is Oliver McLennan. Hello there. We are going to be talking about COP26 for the next two weeks as it rumbles on and hopefully get um, a proper deal over the line, just like mm. Paris. Anyway, um, so COP26, the annual climate summit, has started. The hosts are the UK and it is taking place in Glasgow. It is set to be the most important COP since Paris 2015, where the Paris Agreement was signed by 195 signatories. COP, short for Conference of the Parties, has aims all 200 countries um, involved are encouraged to hit. These aims are... So, the first aim of COP26 is uh, to have net zero by 2050. So, for net zero, what they're trying to do is get the carbon emissions produced to be zero. So, in other words, the amount that's put out is equal to the amount that's saved. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to just move on to the next. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, we must also adapt to protect our communities. This includes building defences warning systems and resilient infrastructure and agriculture to avoid loss of homes, livelihoods and even lives. I don't have anything else to say about that. So, so basically turning the whole of the UK into its own gated community. Yeah, I think also in respect to farming, actually producing your own food. So feeding yourselves instead of importing it from what China or Japan or something like that. That's really... Mm environmentally unfriendly you want to be importing you don't you don't want to be importing food you want to be making your own food which is a lot more sustainable i think definitely especially with food being such a big thing just in general you know you've got to think you've got the emissions from the ships the lorries even traveling to grocery stores and all that so the more we can limit it down to local goods the bigger impact that's going to have on the environment Exactly. Um, so going on from that, um, as per agreed in the Paris Agreement, the countries have agreed to follow through with $100 billion, 70, which is £72 billion a year, pledged to support poorer countries. So the idea is the the less drain we can take off the poor countries, the easier it's going to be as the planet to reduce these carbon emissions. Yeah, this is actually really important because at the moment, none, no countries have actually hit 100 billion pounds yet or 100 billion dollars um which is uh, worrying and the i think uh, i saw a stat somewhere that the aim was 2023 mm-hmm. so they are getting there but it's just pushing countries to to actually do it mm-hmm. um our last aim is to accelerate action on climate change so this means countries stepping up to achieve net zero Scotland have proposed a large-scale CO2 removal facility set for 2026. This would remove 1 million tonnes of CO2 a year, which is equivalent to 40 million trees. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think as well with something as big as that, is that, you know, like it says there, the example you gave is it's equivalent to 40 million trees. I think when you put it in perspective like that, you can really see just how much... Because it's set for 2026, only th- uh, five years away from now. If you think five years of climate action equivalent to the CO2 that 40 million trees takes in, in a couple of years, that's going to save lot, you know, a load of carbon over the time. Yeah, I'm just trying to visualise 
um, 40 million trees. Do, mm. do you know how... I know there's about 5.5 million hectares of trees in the Amazon. I'm just trying to visualise 40 million trees, though. I was going to say, that has got to at least be the size of some sort of fairly large... Yeah. I'm trying to think now, because... Well, if you even if you say one tree per meter squared, forty million meters squared of space, that is a lot to try and comprehend. Yeah, I, well, I think you're getting onto a, a city scale there, like London, possibly. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to uh, this year's COP. So over the next two weeks, twenty-five thousand people are expected to attend COP twenty-six, including world leaders, negotiators, businesses, protesters. We're gonna get we're gonna get onto world leaders and who isn't attending, which is very I'm gonna say scary because the the people who aren't attending are um very crucial in uh, the climate. Uh, we're talking China, Brazil. They're very influential, um, atmospherically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Extinction Rebellion are calling for an immediate end to the use of fossil fuels. They're I, personally, I don't really agree with. I mean, I, I agree with them, mm. but an immediate end is bonkers. That you cannot. It's so hard to have an immediate end because mm. there's so many niches, so many li- different areas. Well, yeah, you 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 got to think. You're thinking legislation, infrastructure, transportation. All of these take time to put into place, mm. make the new facilities, and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, and. The other thing is, like, it's so much easier, get even though it's really hard, getting to net zero, which that term still allows you to produce CO2 mm. um, in very small circumstances. But then it also... Then, obviously, you have to take that CO2 out of the atmosphere, which is what net zero is. I think a step beyond that would be to eventually stop all forms of... CO2 emission mm. which is difficult but saying stopping immediate now is just mm. it's just unrealistic well, that's my point of view anyway. I think the idea as well is uh, I think what's being missed here is if you were to try and immediately stop CO2 emissions you'd first need again on the idea of building facilities things like cars and whatnot. to do that it would first need to boost a large amount of CO2 to thus create these systems. So you're really saying instead of a slow burn, you'd be creating this massive emission of CO2 that is slowly reeling it back. Yeah, I don't think this statement has really been thought through properly. But we could be wrong. And yeah. we, we we may not have looked into it well enough. But, yeah. you know, swings and roundabouts. <clears throat> um, I was going to say, like, steel production, mm. massive CO2 producer. Oh, yeah. But... That's something, oh, yeah. yeah. That's a whole whole another topic. A whole another topic. Right. Anyway, some key people uh, to look out for are representatives from the UK. We're being biased, <laughs> um, <laughs> including Alok Sharma, president for COP26, um, Nigel Topping, who is the UK government's high-level climate action champion. That's a massive mouthful, but it sounds impressive. What, what a title, though. What a title. Do you know what it means? Uh, I have no clue. So, Nigel Topping uh, will help drive action on climate change among influential organi- organisations. So, he's the main negotiator, basically, mm. for the UK. Yep. Yeah. 
glad we got that. And then some other influential individuals. David Attenborough is one. He is for the. I think for the UK, he is the grandfather of yeah. um, climate I mean, change and environment. Let's be honest. The amount of impact of things like Blue Planet May uh, and all these other nature documentaries. It has been such a step forward for all generations, really. Exactly. He is he is just the grandfather of... Uh, <laughs> for me, anyway. In in terms of broadcasting, anyway. Yeah. Uh, then you have Greta Thunberg, who is... Oh, I can't really say grand... Anything, really. She, <laughs> granddaughter. Granddaughter, there we go. Um, she, she's ba- she basically leads the youth... On yeah. a lot of things, and she's very influential. If you see any of any of her speeches, she's very direct and saying, "This is your fault. You need to fix it." But um, for us, she, she's very passionate about she's it. She's very well, passionate. Think, what carries her? Yeah. To the audience. Very passionate. And Bill Gates is an interesting one, but he's mm. there. Don't quite understand why he's there. I'll be interested to see what kind of pledges or actions. Humans company are taking what they propose uh, in the upcoming days. Yeah. Anyway, that'd be interesting. Uh, he's uh, Microsoft, isn't he? Yep. Microsoft, yeah. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one on the fly. Glad I got that. Um, the summit is very important. Mm. I think it's the most important since yeah. Paris. Yeah. Uh, temperatures are rising. In 2020, temperatures were 1.2 degrees warmer than they were in 1880. That doesn't seem that bad, mm. but if you look at sea level rises, and if you and if you look at the next, like I've got here, over the last 40, 140 years, there has been an upward trend in temperatures, and from the 1970s, average annual temperatures have not gone below zero degrees. That's for me. That's the scariest stat. Yeah, like average ten temperatures have not gone below zero degrees since the 1970s we've had what that's 50 years now roughly where we because the planet's been heating up you never and we're probably now never going to get below zero that's the other worrying thing you've got to look at i think i, I don't think in our in our lifetime we will get below zero mm. that that's my worry but i think if we keep going along the path of climate change climate change climate change and keep banging that message on that we're well we're doomed basically yeah. unless we do something which we are doing we are doing but we're like, in the guardian on what was it saturday the 29th of october yep 30th of october apologies um it said that we're currently forecast at 2.7 degree warming yeah. so that's better than a four degree warming Mm. That's better than four degree because we we would see, um, what six rainy days a month, yeah, in the summer with a four degree warming. Wow. That's yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. But it's it's getting better. I think, I think it will get below zero degrees about halfway through the next century if if we carry on with what we're doing. Obviously, we're not scientists, so can't take that as gospel. But I feel if we keep pushing and pushing for climate change and environmentalism, um, temperatures will start will start start to decrease in temperatures. Because I want to see snow, you know. I want to see snow. I don't want to see rain. I want to have a white Christmas. People are wondering in the UK why we haven't seen snow for years now. I think we're now getting to the bottom of 
what's come about here. Exactly. Well, we got to the bottom of it. We got to the bottom of it in the 1970s, but no, or 60s, but no one really cared. No. Everyone was like, oh, I don't really care. Like, um, this is a bit of an interesting anecdote. My next door neighbour, mm-hmm. um, he said, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say any company's names. Um, he worked at a car company. Right. And this was a long time ago. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he, they, they took, took a, uh, they had a tour for the new employees and they took them down to the cellar. Hmm. First hydrogen car. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. They were like, this... Um, we, we know CO2's bad. We know these don't do any good for the environment. Hmm. And they, they told them all about climate change and everything. Yeah. And it was like, this hydrogen car is better for the environment. However, these are the diesel cars, cheaper, easier, yeah. more sellable. Hydrogen cars are... I think the the argument is that hydrogen cars are travelling bombs, which is true. Okay, yeah, yeah. But then, look at diesel. That's a bomb. Yeah, not much better. Exactly. Not much better. You see people um, in the gas price... No, gas price? The fuel crisis in in September... Mm. They people were like, Oh, they're travelling they're they're making their cars bombs and they're travelling bombs and like they were travelling bombs anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have like, to you don't have to put more fuel in to make it a travelling bomb. They're travelling bombs anyway. <laughs> I like the uh, to think of the idea that people think just by putting less fuel in their car, it's somehow no longer any chance of exploding. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> I didn't that that sounded like a guilty cough. That wasn't a guilty cough, that was just <laughs> Um, I know, yeah. <laughs> He's laying on more than he knows. That's what we found out. Exactly. Anyway, let's have a little look at a couple of the biggest headlines from today. Uh, I think the biggest one is, per- personally for me, biggest one is China, Russia and Brazil not attending. Yeah, some these are obviously, especially China and Russia, such big countries, they have big impacts on global imports and exports. So to see some of the main players not attending is quite a worrying sight. Yeah. And also, China is, I think it's the largest population in mm. the world. Please believe so, yeah. About 2 billion people? Yeah. It's massive. believe so. Yeah. What's that? No, it's yeah, I've got it here. 1.402 billion as of 2020. There we go. Big. Um, and they are, I think they're one of the biggest polluters. In the gut, oh. I've got to get it next to the mic. <laughs> um, the Guardian says greenhouse gas emissions twelve million three hundred thousand two hundred. <laughs> just oh, that's mad. that is yeah. I'm just trying to see. That is way beyond, way beyond any other country. Yeah, I think the closest it would would be the US. Yep, mm. the closest, according to the Guardian, the closest is the US with six million, or six and a half million. That's according to the Guardian. Well, I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier with steel being, you know, steel like being a big balloon. Um, China have got massive steel exports. And you know, you all think, you know, with that much exportation, the steel from the factories and all that, 
there's going to be a massive amount as well as coal factories some i intend to touch on later it's you know really pumping up the co2 emissions here i think that's why they need to be there well the trouble the trouble is china are where we were what 100 years ago no i'd say about 70 years ago okay. that's where they are now um they're a developing nation they're very rapidly developing nation but they are developing nation developing nations naturally will produce more i'm not talking as an expert by the way i'm just yeah. like um they will produce more co2 as it's easy to get yeah coal is cheap mm. um sustainable energy is not cheap at the moment as more people start buying it yeah like like with anything it will become cheaper yeah as supply and demand as more people want it, prices go down. It's less people want it, prices go up. Just because... I think that's how it works, isn't it? Or am I talking out my ass? Um, I think as it's as the supply for something... Le- supply for something lessens as demand increases. Yeah. So, yeah, price will... Prices will go down. Yeah. As supply... Uh, as demand goes up. Yeah, supply increases in demand. Yeah. It's sort of that net middle point. Yeah. We don't want to be at. Yeah. Anyway, um... What's the next headline? <laughs> um, oh, actually, so, wait. Sorry, Brazil not attending. That's interesting because they're cutting down half the Amazon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are three big players uh, all in their own different fields that just aren't attending. As you said yourself, probably the biggest cop since 2015 Paris. Mm. It's very interesting to see that. Um, another headline we've got here is the carbon emissions that need to be halved uh, to keep temperature increases below 1.5% uh, degrees. This is from The Guardian. Because, yep. um, remember correctly, 1.5 degrees was the ideal that had been set during should I have it? Uh, the U- uh, United Nations Environmental Programme. This was along with the 2015 Paris Agreement. Uh, and that was the ideal, and the idea was a max we meant to hit was two degrees Celsius a year. You were saying earlier, I think it was four point seven. They're looking at uh, two point seven. Two point seven. Yeah. So it's getting there, four from two point seven. It's getting there, but we're still above what was set six years ago now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's... I. I think that I don't really know what to say. That is. Be half. Is was there a date by that? Uh, or does it need to be halved? I look for you now. This was, I believe, just the outline of projections as mentioned then. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, a two degree, a two degree rise in temperatures would mean you you'd have about. 36.9 degrees average temperature during the summer yeah now obviously that's not I mean for some people who like the summer that's ideal yeah <laughs> but for droughts wildfires um, that is ideal hurricanes as well uh, worse storms this is uh, that, that's what they thrive on really yeah. Uh, an increase in temperature and that's what we'll see more of uh, we saw more of it 
this year. So we saw the big wildfires in Australia in January. Yeah. Don't I don't know if you remember seeing those, but they were big for a good couple of weeks. Yeah, tore for a lot of the land. Yeah. Yeah, we had floods. We've had wildfires in America. We've had uh, well, there's a new hurricane that's just hit America now. Yeah. So yeah, so many you know natural disasters. I'm on the. I've also got here. I've just loaded up the uh, United Environmental uh, United Nations Environment Program here, uh, in reference to your date. And they've got here on their site. It says according to the Paris Agreement, member states committed to limit global warming to below two degrees Celsius, preferably to one point five degrees Celsius, compared to pre-industrial levels. Um, it says yeah, for reducing greenhouse ga- gas emissions by around twenty thirty. Yeah, twenty thirty. I think it was reduced the reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and then net zero by 2050 mm. that's what it was anyway we'll get on to more headlines from today a little later let's have a look at a brief history of climate summits just because i think that's important to understand mm. what the context behind the importance of cop 26 is mm. so 1992 Spoilers, it was a failure. Um, There was opposition among rich and poor countries, I think as you'd expect. Leading up to it, uh, one in two in Africa, Asia and Latin America were in poverty. The North wanted to talk about global atmosphere and felling of trees in Brazil. Who happened to not be there this year. Who happened to not be there this year, but that's a side note. Um, The rest of the world wanted to talk about development and poverty. Um, US negotiators flatly refused to sign the treaty to protect biodiversity. That all came from The Guardian. Uh, this, Yeah, well, this whole piece has come from The Guardian. Um, Paris. Um, unspectacular progress in 29 years saw emissions rise by 60%. John Prescott, the then environmental secretary, was praised with Kyoto in Japan. Is that how you pronounce it? Kyoto. Kyoto. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Kyoto in Japan as he helped secure agreement binding development countries of cuts of 5% by 2012. So basically cut emissions by uh, by 5% by 2012. Um, Low points in COPs. You had Copenhagen 20... Oh, no, yeah, COP 15. Negotiators fell into chaos... Rich countries discussing secret deals were rife. I think that that was just... I don't understand that. Like, why would you... Like, I, I guess at that point, people didn't really understand how important climate change was because it's only recently that climate change has become massive. I think as well is that we've also now started shedding light onto the fact of the double-side benefits of help... If we help poor and developing countries in carbon emissions, CO2 and all that, that it will have an overall global benefit. Yeah. <clears throat> so, And I think, uh, obviously, poorer countries have been saying uh, death. Uh, at COP26, they've been saying... I had a headlight. I had a quote in my head. <laughs> Breaking the studio. Um, I had a quote in my head. Uh, yeah, death sentence. Mm. Uh, to the... Island nations. Okay. Uh, I, just, I I literally just saw that. I think that's 
um, in regards to flooding and rise in sea temperatures. Mm. So you've got the melting of the ice caps, which will rise these the seas. Uh, I also read somewhere in a blog that we we're actually in a ice age. Okay. Now, don't get don't quote me on this because I'm not going to quote the blog on it, but. They said that the reasoning they gave was that the ice, the the, the uh, poles, mm. um, are covered in ice, and as periods in ice ages go, ice oh, or the icy patches on Earth expand and retract, mm. and when we weren't in an ice age, the poles were swamps. Yeah. So that's that's something that's a f- food for thought. Yeah. But I I don't I don't think there's any I think sustainable. I remember seeing something before this prior to COP twenty six and all that going on. That yeah, uh, ice ages are meant to have a sort of cyclical nature. So when they come out, it's meant to be quite frequent. But with each ice age we've been having, the temperatures have been hotter and the amount of area covered by ice in the poles has decreased. Each cycle. Yeah, I don't. Personally, I don't think you can blame that on humans. Only because um, warming of the planet Mm. has actually... Artificially warming of the planet has come in the last... Well, since 1880, in the the industrial period. Mm. Now, the warming of the planet, naturally, could mean that we're just coming out of an ice age. Mm. But I personally don't think we can... uh, credit oh, I'm going to say credit but it's not really credit um the warming of the planet naturally to humans mm. over the, like historically anyway because yeah. obviously ice ages like um I think the last time we came out of an ice uh, an I a really icy period was 11,000 years ago mm. uh I did read that somewhere and I I just I personally don't think we can say put all the blame on humans saying that the warming of the planet historically is all down to uh, CO2 emissions. Obviously, we've really incre- increased the speed, but mm. it's not like the it was warming before. Yeah. But we've just increased it. Okay. That's what I think. Anyway, uh, where were we? Low points in Copenhagen. When go? Yeah, we've done that. Successful cops. We've been talking about Paris COP21. Um, this was where the Paris Agreement was signed by 195 signatories. I on the 22nd of April 2015, I believe 175 signatories signed it, and then over the lo- the next few weeks, there were others that joined, making it 195. Uh, there were three main points. So they wanted to limit the global temperature increase by 1.5 degrees. So this is stuff we've already been over. Um, Establish net zero and mitigation. So mitigation is all parties must declare a nationally determined contribution every five years, also known as NDC. Uh, This information should be clear and transparent on a country's goals on climate change. So that was the most amount of progress um, they had in 29 years. Wow. That was, I think, I believe that's 1992. But, yeah, that's the most amount of progress. So, and I, over the last couple of weeks, I have been feeling positive about 
COP26. However, this morning, did not feel confident whatsoever. Because I heard that we'd had three major players come out and Greta yeah. Thunberg wasn't um, looking forward to it. And then we had r- reporters saying, well, it's not looking positive. I was like, oh, it could go the way of um, Copenhagen. I don't really mm. don't want that to happen. Well, thankfully, it's day one at the moment. Uh, we still got the rest of the two weeks to see how it goes. So hopefully it was just a rough patch start. And we see a lot more developments in the coming days. I'm hoping for no turbulence. Well, that's mm. what I want. No turbulence. And I'm hoping they can keep me happy. We've got 25,000 people. We've got tons of protesters going. Mm. Surely the protesters can gather some anger. They need anger. This is what they need. They need anger and to show that anger and say, this is actually really important. Mm. This is such an important time. That's what protesters need to do. Anyway, moving on before I start ranting should we give up beef was questioned in the Guardian page number three are you there? oh you're there you're there I thought you were continuing questioned in the Guardian Um, huge areas of rainforest is being levelled for beef production yeah Uh, I remember reading reading this article actually uh, because they're saying about trees getting chopped down for cow fields and seed fields for feeding cows pigs and chickens so you know, we're making this huge area of land uh, for animals to keep up with the consumerism of meat. Uh, in effect, we're also cutting down the trees, increasing CO2 emissions. So it's a really good thing to sort of look at of how much is your average diet sort of impacting our global level to CO2 emissions. But that's an interesting point that people in people attending COP26, what sort of food are they eating? Well, I remember reading somewhere that they're at, they are looking to try and get 80% of their food from within Scotland, because then that keeps down, like I said, poor import CO2s and all that. Um, but to my knowledge, uh, we'll be looking into this as well, but there's not much detail on the actual what is being provided and the full breakdown of where this comes from admissions to places that come from gives out and all of that it'll be interesting to see now, I'm talking to a correspondent tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, from Fox News called Simon Owen um, I'm hoping he can give me a bit more detail about the food I have asked him he hasn't come back to me so I'm hoping he can give me a bit more detail on that <coughs> going on uh, what you said uh, there's a red tractor scheme um, on packaging in supermarkets mm. um, the use is uh, uses meats from locally sourced farmers, so farmers in the UK, yeah. and so obviously you have you'll have cows or in fields, chicken, like free range. Yeah, that's what it's called. You have free range eggs. Mm. That, that's what that is. Um, that I I believe that helps the environment a bit. I, I say you want to be doing a bit more than just eating veg tractor meat, but that's a start. Yeah, because uh, the seeds again would come from. Uh, I, this is a massive assumption, but seeds would come from Brazil, and then you have the whole problem of felling the rainforest for more seeds, so the red tractor farmers can yeah. um, feed their crop, uh, f- feed their animals. We're just sort of solving one problem whilst creating another problem elsewhere. Exactly. Um, that's a theme. Anyway, it does cut down on imports, though. Oh, yeah. Cuts down on import costs. Anyway, should we have a look at the headlines? Yes. Get to the main crux of the... Well, and finishing off. 
you were having a look at recently at the BBC, I believe. Yes, headlines. I've had a look at some BBC headlines. Boris Johnson says that children who will judge leaders for failing to act, quote, are not yet born, unquote. David Attenborough has followed Boris Johnson in saying the future of young people should provide impetus to turn tragedy into triumph. So there's uh, this cop. There's a lot of focus on youth groups. Hmm. There's a lot, a lot of focus because I think over the last year people have been saying the youth. Oh no, not even people. The youth have been saying um, climate change is affecting us, not you. Yeah, like this is your fault, and you need to change it for us. Otherwise, like we're going to have real troubles in the future. Yeah, well, it goes back to like you mentioned before with Greta Thunberg, sort of a, a beacon of the youth for climate activism. So there are definitely voices there, um, and like I said, protests as well. So I feel like this is just one of those things that, like I said, uh, the protests there need to sort of make their voice heard and sort of stand up. Uh, for what they believe in. Yeah, there was um, a nice themed protest going on. Um, the protesters walked 500 miles. Uh, I think that's a nod to the Proclaimers song, 500 Miles. <laughs> I hope they're singing it the whole way now. I imagine. <laughs> but it's a nice little, I think it's a nice little nod to an acknowledgement to the song and Scotland in general. Yeah. And also keeping with uh, climate change. Uh, there's another headline from the BBC. The UK leader says he wants countries to end the use of coal, phase out petrol-powered cars, and reverse deforestation. Well, that's a uh, claim and a half. Well, not claim, but uh, wants, isn't it? Yeah. Phase out... Well, I know Extinction Rebellion would like um, end the use of coal, wouldn't they? Yeah. They say immediately. No, it won't work Stop like that. <laughs> but um, we are... I believe uh, I read this a couple a few years ago. The phase out of coal and diesel-powered cars—not obviously not coal-powered cars, but diesel cars—is yeah. I think the last one will be sold in 2040. So it'll be all electric by 2040. I but it does feel that the electric car is actually storming its way onto the British markets. One thing that helps as well is, I believe this was a few years ago now, is that the government introduced a low emission vehicle uh, plug-in grant. So, it's, you know, it's I think we need to see, coming out of COP26, more initiatives like that coming in, things that make it easier for the average person to cut down their emissions. Yeah. There is also um, a clean air zone opening up in Portsmouth. Okay. That also helps cars just low emissions well no it helps the city low emissions because cars will have to pay um, to use that yeah. zone obviously uh, it's cars that don't come up to this EU standards so yeah. I think it's the EU 3 and EU 4 standards okay. don't quite remember that a bit fuzzy I researched it a couple of weeks ago uh, but they are opening that It for me it's a bit strange because it says private cars don't have to pay Mm. taxis do have to pay whether they're on the standards or not and I'm going to ask I'm, I'm interviewing the council I'm going to ask him about that because that really confused me mm. really confused me so I was like well that's something to talk about anyway off topic uh, the goal is to keep warming limited to 1.5 degrees or at worst 
2 degrees by 2100, but we are on track for 2.7 degrees, which the UN says would result in climate catastrophe, says the BBC. I mean, they've got a point, but... I, I mean, this, this goes back to what we were saying before, because I believe we're talking about how, before the idea to get it down to 1.5 or 2.7, it was... First, they're looking around 2015-ish to sort of start lowering it. Then 2050. Now, this new report, as mentioned by the BBC, is looking to get it down to that low by 2100. Yeah, it feels as if... To me, it feels as if they are stalling. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think what we're, we're looking to see at this COP26, like I said, is we need to hammer home these initiatives, get them going, get them in progress. Because otherwise, you know, we're going to get to COP2100 a win of... As a country, we're going to get to COP2100. Oh, I wouldn't mind getting to COP2100. That'd be quite fun, actually. Can't wait to be covering COP2100. That'd be kind of old. Um, Jeez. But yeah, we'll get to COP2100 and still be saying the temperature risings are too high. You know, we need to get them down by 2150. Yeah. Um, going on for that, I don't know if you have any other... I've got, a, qu- I've got a quote. I'm trying to find the book that it was from. Oh, where is it? I have got a quote. Uh, I forgot what the book's called, though. Oh, here we go. So, in her book, No One is Too Small to Make a Difference, uh, Greta Thunberg said that the climate crisis is very black and white. Mm. It's, it happens, or we die. It's very life and death. Yeah. Now, I agree with her slightly, but on the other hand, it, there's very there's. So, I think the problem is if you go to the far end of saying black and white, mm. you're you're really saying it doesn't matter about finances. You put all everything into that, mm. but you go into the middle and sort of you you look and say, well, you. You've got finances. You're trying to put $100 billion in each year, which is going to happen. And then, but where, where does that money come from? Taxes? Yeah. This is, like, other problems are going to go. NHS? Mm. Uh, police? So you you put all this, people who say, oh, put all that money in there, but then you have someone else go, oh, what about NHS? What about yeah. police? What about fire services? It's a balancing game. This is ha- this is what's um, hard about climate change. This is what's hard about any crisis, but climate uh, climate change is quite hard because climate change is life and death mm. in the long term. Yeah, and a- NHS is life and death in the short term. Yeah. So it's whether, as a species, we can get out of the mindset of thinking short term, start thinking slightly longer term. We're not as a species. I don't think we're that good at that. Anyway, you had some headlines from the Guardian. Didn't yeah, you? so. It was- Bring the headlines from the Guardian earlier. Um, and on the topic of the youth and their participation for global change, uh, the Greenpeace UK's head of politics, Rebecca Newsom, uh, said in reference to what Boris Johnson has been saying about youth and climate change, that Johnson has left the door open to new oil and gas licences, and that instead he needs to listen to the climate scientists. So it's a sort of knock of He's saying about all these processes, these legislations we need, but he's not listening to the voices behind those. Um, 
Yeah, that's that worries me slightly. Well, a lot because um, if you leave the door open to oil and gas, you're still it's still going to be around in twenty one hundred. The other thing that worries me is uh, a football based um, news story mm-hmm. where the uh, Saudi Arabia uh, almost prince, but not quite a prince, yeah. has taken over Newcastle United. Okay, and they're very much it's a very much oil based company. And it's it's actually a state, um, it's state money. Okay. So a state has actually bought a football oh, wow. club. Um, there was a lot of opposition. They've already been uh, rejected by the Premier League once, but then they got through second time. Uh, obviously Newcastle fans were delighted. I mean, good on them. They've okay. got money. Yeah. Now that I mean, they're second bottom of the Premier League, but they've got money now, so they should be okay. But it's where the money has come from yeah it's just it's really against everything that the uk is trying to advocate and as a cop um leader this year as a cop host yeah people are going to look at that well are you actually serious about Mm. climate change or not we're almost in a sort of ironic sense with cop going committing a sort of climate treason we're allowing these you know countries to become wealthy because of their oil exports and mining to then sort of linger their way into the country whilst this is all going on. Yeah. Uh, going on from that, going to another big country, we've got China, who, uh, despite their pledges to reduce coal burning factories, has actually been found there's been an increase in their coal-related air pollution, especially these coming from factories. Um, and like we said, China aren't attending the COP26. Um which I think is an interesting thing. I think there's something that needs to be mentioned, be noted on at COP26. We need to start both hammering it down within the UK. So, you know, like you said, looking at our coal imports, more sustainable ways to generate fuel and whatnot. Um, but we also need to look on the grander scale of, you know, coal in general. Is there anything else we can do about this? Discussions need to be organised, I think, post-COP with China and some of the other big names sort of iron this out. I just... I What I want to know... I, I don't... I, we can probably um, research it later this week. I want to know what China's agenda is. Because is their agenda... Do, do they know or acknowledge the fact that climate change is massive or do they just not care? Mm. So if they don't care, that's a, interesting. If they just don't acknowledge it and say, well, it doesn't matter... That's. I'd like to get. I'd like to get. Um, what they their agenda is on climate change, and what what their opinion is on it. Yeah, that's why I said. That's why I think it's a shame that they're not there at COP twenty six today. I think it'd be interesting to hear from the leaders there. You know, are they actually implementing any changes? What about the previous changes and so on? Anyway, mm. uh, before we go down that rabbit hole, like even further, um, like we mentioned before, uh, the. 1.5 degrees Celsius temperature increases outlined by the United Nations Environment Programme in reference to the 2015 Paris Agreement. Um, this is something that, you know, it first came about in 2015, it's popping up again now. I feel like if action isn't taken about it now, it's going to be a continuous point that needs to be hammered home. Yeah, well, this is something that we've discussed quite a lot and will come up again and again and again and again throughout COP26 and throughout any climate discussion that you have. Um, and 
there's only so much we can really talk about it. And I, I think what we can really do is say these are the facts and turn to the politicians and push them to and well turn to world leaders and say it's up to you it's up to you to decide our future if you if you want our children to suffer if you don't well it's it's up to you i think as well like i said is between the 2015 paris agreement and cop 26 now we haven't had any landmark staples in uh, carbon emissions, environmental, climate change, and all that since then. So I don't. I hope this year that either we're doubling down on our efforts as agreed in uh, the Paris Agreement, or we have a new landmark. You know, this is what we're going to agree to. This is what we need to do about it. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, one final thing before we stop. Otherwise, I'll go silly. I'll go mad. Uh, in The Guardian, they have this thing called, as you can tell by the rustling of the paper, um, they have this thing called Cop Trumps. And it shows you all the stats about um, top players. So you've got Japan, you've got Germany, you've got England, or well, you, United Kingdom, you've got France, China. And I've just picked out a couple of stats. So big players not turning up. China, Russia, and Brazil. Then I also found this an interesting stat. Net zero targets. Mm. Would you like to know, or take a guess, at how many of the big players have put not applicable for mm. their net zero targets? Uh, how many big players are we including in here? Oh, so big players, China, US, India, Russia, Japan, Germany, South Korea, Indonesia, Canada, Australia, France, UK, Brazil, Iran, South Africa, Saudi Arabia. I'm going to say you're going to have about nine of them. Nine of them? Yep. Okay. Let me just count. <laughs> uh, not, not applicable. One. Uh, two. Mm, three. One, two, three, four, five. Five have said not applicable for mm. not net zero targets. Um, I have also circled some others. Mm. Germany, their net zero target is 2045, so it's much earlier than anyone else. Yeah. And China's done the vaguest of them all before 2060. So what, were the, what were the five that you mentioned that weren't? But so it weren't uh, India, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia. Okay. I, I yeah, I just don't I don't see I because everyone well especially in this country everyone is very much it's got to be done something's got to happen. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's getting covered in other countries. It'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, the likes of Indonesia, the likes of Iran, how the climate is seen in those countries. Yeah, I think it'll be good as well over the coming days to be covering this, looking into those five countries and seeing, like we said, what are their CO two emissions like? Because if it says not applicable, then one would have to assume that either they're not interested in it or they're low enough to not worry. Yeah, so we'll have to. We're looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah. Anyway. I think we've finished there. Yep. That was uh, the first episode of our Copcast. Uh, 
hopefully every happening every day but you you've got work so yeah. probably not thursday um so every day apart from thursdays unless you do a solo cast unless i do a solo cast i might do a solo cast that's gonna be difficult but we'll, we'll, we'll see um just a bit of a stat there's 125 leaders going over 12 mm. days so that's just to clear that up but 200 countries um so what uh, how am i gonna finish it off i don't know thank you for listening Okay, thank you for listening. We'll talk tomorrow with Simon Owen. Yep. And some more updates and information on developments on headlines. Yeah. There we go.